Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Now, today we are going to start a new series, new collection called Clean. And I'm so excited to intro this thing. I'm excited to talk the tension of this. I'm excited to bring the balance of this. And for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about holiness, all right? So if you have your Bibles, and you're, you might be like, well, that's not very exciting. Listen, I think this series, almost more than any other this year, if you open your mind and your heart, this is truly a transformative series. Because I'm going to talk the line between giving glory to Jesus and legalism. Legalism dries up, but Jesus offers life and freedom. Who doesn't want to be free and who doesn't want to live a full life? We all do. So we're going to talk this tension. I'm excited for it. All right? Are you ready? Let's pray real quick, and then let's jump into 1 Peter. God, thank you for your word. Thank you. Every time that we open it, we can be transformed forever. God, that you have good plans for us, that you love us, that you've got a hope and a future for us. And God, we want to live lives that are not just self-centered, but are Christ-centered. We want to live to bring you glory. So Father, we need your grace, your spirit, and your word to help us do this. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Peter. I want to read chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 13. And I'm going to kind of teach, kind of preach a little bit. But this is out of a little different translation. It's called the ERV. We're going to have it on the screen. You can follow along. But 1 Peter chapter 1, there's a few verses, about 10 verses. It's so profound. I want to read them because it really sets the table for us in the next four weeks at what we're doing. Okay? So Peter is writing to the young church. And he says, prepare your minds for service with complete self-control. Put all your hope in the grace that will be yours when Jesus Christ comes. In the past, you did not have the understanding you have now, so you did the evil things you wanted to do. But now you are children of God, so you should obey him and not live the way you did before. Be holy in everything you do, Peter writes, just as God is holy. He's the one who chose you. In the scriptures, God says, be holy because I am holy. You pray to God and call him Father, but he will judge everyone the same way by what they do. So while you are visiting here on earth, I love that line, you should live with respect for God. You know that in the past the way you were living was useless. It was a way of life you learned from those who lived before you. But you were saved from that way of living. You were bought, but not with things that ruin like gold or silver. You were bought with the precious blood of Christ's death. He was a pure and perfect sacrificial lamb. Christ was chosen before the world was made, but he was shown to the world in these last times for you. You believe in God through Christ. God is the one who raised him from death and gave honor to him. So your faith and your hope are in God. You have made yourselves pure by obeying the truth. Now you can have true love for your brothers and sisters. So love each other deeply with all your heart. You have been born again. And this new life did not come from something that dies. It came from something that cannot die. You were born again through God's life-giving message that lasts forever. What a 10 scriptures right there. I want to talk a few concepts this morning that will intro the next four weeks for us. If I could encourage you 
to make every effort to be here the next three, four weeks. I, this is going to help you so much. And I know it doesn't maybe sound exciting at first, but I, I think it gets better and better. The body of Christ throughout the ages have struggled with a few of these concepts, and so let's talk about them as a young, growing church plant ourselves. First, I want to talk about the concept of righteousness. The concept of righteousness. Righteousness means to be right with God. It's, it's being right in a right relationship with God. Here's the profound thing about righteousness. This is not me declaring myself right with God. This is God declaring me right with God. Massive difference. Because a lot of people will say, I'm right with God, and I will go to heaven because I'm a good person. Because I'm not Hitler, because I've not murdered anybody, because I like 50% of humanity, I'm going to heaven, right? I'm a good person, therefore I am right with God, and I will be in heaven. A lot of people, believe it or not, think like this and believe like this, that I'm right with God based off of me. The Bible is very clear. Even our best works, the Bible says, are like filthy rags or dirty laundry. God declares us righteous by what Christ did for us on the cross. Can I get like a really good amen? The central, pivotal thing of Christianity is Jesus on the cross for me, and righteousness comes from Christ. I can never get to God, but God could get to me. God could get to this heart. I could never reach him, but he was able to reach me. It's been said that religion is man's best effort to get to God, but Jesus is God's best effort to get to man. Why does it have to be Jesus? Because God can't do anything better. God can't give anything more than his best, and he did that in Christ to get us. And so the power of righteousness is not that I call myself righteous, it's that God declares me righteous. You and I will not get any more righteous than we are right now if you are in Christ today. Now you might act ratchet, but if you're in Christ, you're righteous. And that's hard for us to understand, isn't it? Woo, look at those actions. I know, but if they're in Christ, God has declared them righteous. They're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're either in a right relationship with God or you're not, and that is because of Christ, not based of you and me. It's received of faith, it's by grace, but it is Christ, it is not me. Paul said, hey, listen, this is Christ, so no one can brag. Nobody can boast. Nobody has earned a right relationship with God. God has granted that through access in Christ. This is righteousness. Righteousness is Christ, and I am hidden in Christ in God. I love this. This is Romans 5, 9. We've been made right with God by the blood sacrifice of Christ. So through Christ, we will surely be saved from God's anger or God's, or God's wrath. As God's anger is on sin, we are saved through Christ. Righteousness is that right relationship. I'm made right with God through Christ, right? There's nothing else God could do. That is his best. It is his, his greatest thing. Okay, so we struggle with this concept of righteousness a little bit, right? So how are we righteous as, as God's people? It is, it is Christ, okay? And this offends people. 
because they want to earn heaven through goodness. Actually, I have family members like this. They really want it to be on their playing field. Salvation just cannot be on my playing field. It must be on God's, right? Because he is the greater party, right? If, if you're going to do business with a greater party, you know, you kind of have to see how they want to do business, right? God is the greater party. said, so this is how to get made right with me, and it is, it is Christ, okay? Now, another term I want to talk about in the next few weeks, okay? Holiness. Let's talk holiness because the church gets hung up on this a lot. And we're going to talk the next two concepts, and I'm going to bring the tension of this, okay? Guys, holiness means to be set apart. It means to be separated. It's uniqueness. There's a difference. There's something that is sacred about it. We say that God is holy. In fact, the Bible says God is love and God is holy. One of his greatest attributes, right? There's no one like God. He stands completely separate, set apart, unique. There's nothing like it. Holiness, once you're in Christ, you're now set apart for God and his purposes, right? This just comes along with salvation. You are now plucked out of the world, and you are now in this special, unique, set-apart, sacred category that God has placed us in. Holiness is both our position now and our calling. Holiness in the Bible has kind of this two-part deal. First Peter 2.9, he said, you're a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. You may not feel special today. You may not feel holy today. You may not feel specifically dedicated. But if you are in Christ, you are. Your position is set apart. Your position is holy. Your sonship, your daughtership is set apart from the world. You're declared set apart and holy and sacred to the, the purposes of God now, right? Now, here's the two part. It's holiness is our position. You and I are called saints. And again, you're like, yo, I don't act like Mother Teresa. I'm not a saint. You know what I'm saying? But if, if you're in Christ again today, you are a saint. You're now, there's holiness on your life. It is your calling. It is your position right? It's because it's your position. God is saying, now now that you're set apart, I want you to behave like you're set apart. You ever notice how all families have rules and how they behave? I can't tell you how many times I'm telling my kids right now, we don't act like that. Why? Because you're a shawl. You're in dad's house. This is family identity. Right now, I've been working with my kids about whining, you know, and I, I don't know why whining just gets under my skin, but it really does. And one time I told my daughter, I said, listen, baby, you are a shawl, and you are strong, and you solve problems. And I said, whining is for the weak, okay? We are strong. You know what she said back? And I thought, well, that was a powerful message right there. She said, but daddy, it's the weekend. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't mean that weak. You know, I meant, so I really, we had a little miscommunication there, you know? But I've been talking to my kids, and I'm like, yo, we don't do this. We do this because we are this. When we talk holiness, God is saying, kids, we don't do this. We do this because we are this. Holiness is our position. It's our identity, and it's also our calling. We are called 
to live holy because God is holy. We're called to be distinctly and uniquely different than everybody else to point to the goodness and the glory of God. Always, this is a call on our life. It doesn't mean that we completely separate from the world. In fact, this calling can only be fulfilled as we are in the world. The world ought to look at us and be like, why do they do what they do? And we're to do it in such a way it should be intriguing to bring people to Jesus. There's nothing worse than a constipated Christian. They're trying to live for God, but they're just straight miserable. I'm like, you're not helping the cause at all, okay? Like, 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 but, but holy holiness. Holiness impacts how we talk. It impacts how we use money. Holiness changes our sex lives. It, it, it definitely speaks into how we treat other people. You know, you could wrap up so much of holiness in loving God and loving people right there. It definitely dives into how we think, how we work, how we rest. It even addresses our motives. Cuts right to the heart. This aspect of being called apart and living for God touches every single area of our lives. Now, one more term here as I intro the next four weeks. Let's talk sanctification for a second. So holiness is our position. It's also our calling. We're uniquely set apart. We're to live in a way that is set apart so people can begin to see God, ask questions, etc. Okay? Let's talk sanctification. This is a big word. Theologians use it. It's, in essence, it means the journey of becoming like Jesus. The journey of becoming like Jesus. I'm picking up the personality and the priorities of Jesus. Nobody starts out like Jesus. You know, definitely before meeting Jesus, we're not even near Jesus. When you first get saved, you're like kind of there, kind of not there. Remember when you first got saved? Okay, like I had some things right, I had a lot of things wrong. You know, even after five years, 10 years, 20 some years of following Jesus, I'm more like him now than I was 10 years ago. You know, there's this process God is working on my heart, my life, my mind. I'm not all the way there. Paul said, I've not arrived. So if the apostle Paul didn't get there, I don't think you and I are going to get there. But I want to embrace the journey. Come on, okay? So like, I may not get all the way there, but I'm on my journey, okay? And as I understand that we're on a journey, this allows me to have grace for other people. You know what's funny about us as humans? Once you conquer your flesh in an area, you think everybody should conquer it. Right? You ever conquer something and then somebody else acts like that and you have like no grace for them at all? You're like, you're so immature, you know, like, right? But as I become more and more like Christ, I'm like, yeah, you know, like I didn't go through what they went through. I don't have the same brokenness maybe they have. I don't have the same mental struggles maybe they have. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all broken in different places. And when God makes you whole, that ought to give you grace for other people too. Because you weren't there either at one point. Aren't you grateful that God loved you? Come on, that he was patient with you, that he kept you. He didn't throw you away after your 20th mistake, right? He's been better to us than we deserve. Can we all just be honest with that one? Okay, so he's working on us. There's this process in our life that we're becoming more and more like Christ. And believers fail along the way. I'm always looking to Christ I can be inspired by other believers, but I don't follow other believers. Other believers didn't save me. This is where Christians get it wrong. They're like, well, I hate Christianity. Why? Because Christians fail. Yes, Christians fail. And they will fail. Yes, leaders fail. And they will fail. 
right? It's people fail because they're not Christ, but people also didn't save me. They didn't die for me. It's not their blood that rescues me. Come on. I have a lot of good human relationships, but my greatest relationship is Christ. I'm digging. I'm digging. I want us to be healthy. I want us to get this right. They're on their journey. I'm on my journey. I want to spend my days loving and not just judging. I like this one quote. It said, when you lead yourself, you know, use your mind. And when you lead others, use your heart. I'm going to keep myself on a short leash as best I can. Why? Because I know me, right? Jesus, deal with me. When it comes to my neighbor, I'm going to do everything I can to extend grace and love and mercy and get them back on their journey. I always think the heart of God is restorative, don't you? I just do. I think the heart of God is restorative, okay? So I let God, I'm on my journey. They're on journey. Let me help them. But I want this journey. I want this process of the Holy Spirit working in me, I'm becoming more and more like Christ. You know, the more I'm like Christ, the safer it is for everybody. And the more you're like Christ, the better it is for everybody. It really is. You're not your best parts when it's you and your flesh. You ever seen that Snickers commercial? You're not you when you're hungry? You're not you when you're in your flesh. The best parts about you are the parts that Jesus is working on. I want to say this sanctification is surrendering to Jesus for the glory of Jesus because the grace of Jesus has transformed my heart and life. Pastor, how do I experience freedom and not just get into legalism? Because every time I hear holiness, I think legalism, right? Okay. Legalism is a cloud with no rain. Grace is like a South Florida downpour in July. If I'm living for Jesus with the heart to glorify Jesus, to do something or not do something because Jesus asked me to, grace can be dispensed. Legalism is often something man creates for control, but grace is something God dispenses for freedom. There's a tension here, right? Man creates a lot of rules. It's part of our brokenness. We like rules because we, we think it's, you know, safe, right? This is what Jesus had such a problem with the Pharisees with. He's like, you loaded everybody down with hundreds and hundreds of rules, but you don't know anything about relationship. You don't even know me. Here I am, and you can't even recognize me. You're in love with all these rules, but there's no relationship. You're working on this behavior modification, but there's no heart transformation. There's no love for God and love for other people. But there is this essence where Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I tell you to do. So if I approach this thing as like, okay, here's a rule, here's a rule, here's a rule, here's a rule. That dries everybody up and just kills all of our spiritual life, right? It's not what I'm going to do. It's not my heart. But if I say, if you're going to give Jesus everything you got, and you can search your own heart and say, God, I'm willing to surrender the things that you want me to surrender, now we're getting close. Because it's a matter of the heart. Sanctification is surrendering to Christ. It's really what it comes down to because I love Christ. Right? I remember when I first got saved, Jesus asked me to give up a couple things, and I'm like, no way. No way am I giving up that yet. And you know what? And you know what God did? That's fine. He put me back in the furnace and let me cook for a little bit in the fire. Bring me out in five years. Are you ready to surrender some things? 
You know, it's like I'm stubborn in some ways. I wish I could tell you I was the most perfect Christian from day one. I'm not. Guys, there are some very complicated things in the Bible. The book of Revelation, you know, even studying it, multiple commentaries, years of ministry, there's some complex things in the Bible. The Bible is simple and the Bible is complex. I don't have a problem with the parts of the Bible I don't understand. I have a problem with the parts of the Bible that I do understand and I don't want to do. I know it says love your enemy. It's just really hard to do that. Can we be honest this morning? The Bible is just really clear and plain. It's just really hard to do that. The Bible says that I have the plank and you have the speck. So I don't need to worry about my fellow brothers and sisters. The Bible says I got a plank in my own eye. He goes, first deal with you, and then you can help other people get free. Jesus is telling me that I have a lot of work to do. That Matt has a lot of work. Jesus wants to work in Matt. And that's the hardest part. Telling you no and yes is so easy. I've said this before. Telling you no and telling you what to do is so easy. Living it out is so hard. Why? Because the hardest person in the world to say no to is myself. Right? Sanctification is a streaming process. A lot of people treat Jesus like Uber. No, it's true. They do. Here's why. Right? Everybody wants to be saved. Everybody wants to be rescued. I was flying a couple weeks ago. And we were trying to land from Fort Lauderdale to, to Atlanta, and there was a storm that came up in Atlanta. And I mean, and the winds, man, and we're trying to land, and the plane is doing this. And people are just like, you know, it's so funny. Nobody believes in God until they're about ready to die. Everybody's like, oh, Jesus. I mean, there were two people sitting next to me. They were talking about partying and everything. And then the plane goes like this. Oh, God, are you there? Like, literally, that's what they said. Why are you talking to me? I need, you know, I'm like, why are we all like this? But the plane's literally shit. Like, I mean, it, I'm like, we cannot land like this. I, I don't know everything about aviation, but I know you can't land sideways. That's a bad day. And so, and so he takes off. We circle. We circle for 30 minutes. Then we have to get rerouted to Myrtle Beach. And then we're there for hours. And then we come back. We're waiting on the tarmac for hours. Atlanta's like crazy. 2 a.m. I'm trying to find a hotel. Thousands of people are trying to get an Uber. I mean, it was just chaos, right? Finally, I get an Uber, right? And I'm like, God, I'm rescued. Finally, I've got a way out. Here's the thing about this, though, right? You get into an Uber, and you tell the Uber where to go. See, so many people want an Uber Jesus. They want to get rescued, and then they want to tell Jesus where to go. Thanks for saving me. Now, here's what we're going to do with my life. doesn't work like that. Jesus rescues you. And you sit in the back seat, and then Jesus tells you where we're going now. I've lost my life to Christ. So the Bible says, I've given my life to Christ, and now I'm surrendering as I'm trusting the driver. And at the beginning, it's so hard to do that. How do I know you're going to take me to a good place? It's this journey of trusting Jesus and getting to know Jesus, this sanctification process, right? Are we called to live differently than everybody else? Yes, we are. Are we called to live a life to give glory to Christ? Yes, we are. Are we judged on how we live our lives? Yes, we are. Yeah, we are. Look at, look at this. Nobody's going to like this. 1 Peter 4, 17. Judgment begins with God's household. If it begins with us, what are the outcome of everybody that doesn't obey the gospel? Wow. You know, Jesus loves you, but I'm afraid that we've created a Jesus that we can control. We've created a Jesus that rescues us and then never wants to change us. It's it's just, that's not the Jesus of the New Testament. 
So the heart of this series is I want to try to unfold what the Bible actually says because you and I in our brokenness, we like to make it the way we want it. We're all like that. Isn't that that funny? I love Hebrews. It says, don't make light of the discipline of the Lord and don't lose heart and give up when God corrects you. Does God discipline us? Absolutely. Why? Because he wants it to go well for you. He wants you to turn out well. Why would I discipline my kids? Because I don't want them to grow up and be idiots. I want them to be good, functioning members of society. You know, why do I make them do their homework? Because I want them to move out of dad's house one day, get a job, right? Like, why would I discipline my kids? I want it to go well for them. Why would God discipline us? He wants it to go well for us. He wants us to be full of love and life and holiness. So he's working on us, right? Is this challenging you? I hope at least a few of you don't like me. I, I, want, I want this to be challenging. The tricky thing about sin for all of us, sin always looks good in the moment. Just because something looks good doesn't mean it is good. Sin has this very self-deceiving ability to it. Truly, it's terrifying. This is actually terrifying. It's so terrifying, but it's so consistent throughout the ages. You know, when Eve ate the fruit, she thought she was doing the right thing. What amazes me about all of us as human beings, we commit sin and wrongdoing believing we're doing the right thing. Again and again and again and again throughout the ages, it's like sin has this wildly self-deceiving ability to it. That we are 100% convinced we're doing the right thing when it's actually the wrong thing. Which is very humbling because even after you come to follow Christ, you ever done anything wrong? You know what I'm saying? But at the time, you thought it was right. You know, It's, like, it's, it's amazing to me the self-deception around sin. There was no way Eve could conceptualize that one son would murder another son and all the brokenness and pain that would come from her decision. She thought she was doing the right thing. All of us, when we look back on our lives as believers, we look back and we're like, man, I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, I thought I was doing a good thing. You know, we're so funny as humans. We think pleasure correlates to joy and happiness, don't we? Not always, right? Not always. So it's got this very wild self-deceiving thing. When the Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart, one of the things that he will do is he'll bring God's truth to your heart and to your mind. And I'm going to be honest with you all, it's offensive. God will step on your toes. And when the Holy Spirit and the Bible tells you you're wrong, it's offensive. It's offensive. God has offended every single saint in human history. God has offended every single believer throughout all the ages. Because somewhere in their human journey and human brokenness, God told them, what you're doing that you think is right is actually wrong. And you get to decide, are you going to keep doing it or are you going to surrender to me? Every single believer. If you've been offended by God, you're in good company today. Because so have I. All right? So what do you do when God offends you? You do two things. You harden or you soften. There's only two ways to go when God confronts you. You harden your heart or you soften your heart. I pray our hearts grow softer. If God offends you, it's not for your bad, it's for your good. Okay? I'm going to close with this. Pastor, how can I live a life that pleases Jesus and gives glory to him? Number one, read your Bible. Read your Bible. The Bible tells us how to live to please and give glory to God. God is not trying to make this tricky. He's not trying to hide this thing under a rug. 
And honestly, like 95% of this whole thing is just loving God and loving other people, right? It's God developing a ton of love in our hearts, okay? As you read the Bible, let the Bible read you. So many people get this wrong. They read the Bible, and they make the Bible say what they want it to say. Read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. Don't try to change the Bible. Let the Bible change you. The Bible is a mirror. It's got this mirror effect to it, right? Number two, ask the Holy Spirit. I love this. David did this. He said, search me, God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. God, search my heart. Search my heart. Only you and God know it's all in your heart, right? You might look good on the outside, but you might be a mess on the inside, right? Some people look like a mess on the outside, but they're actually doing pretty good. You know, there's just, so it's like, hey, what's in your heart? God, search my heart, right? You know, help me, help me be singular, right? In our brokenness, our soul can get so duplicitous, doesn't it? Can split and fracture. God, bring me back to, to wholeness and oneness. Number three, follow through. Just do it. Nike, just do it. Just, just follow through. James says, if you hear the word and don't do it, it's worthless. Coming to church does not change your life. So many young Christians, well, I go to church all the time. My life is still a mess. It's never changed. Coming to church does not change your life. Living out God's word transforms your life forever. Applying God's word, that will change your life forever. But you have to apply it. And that's why James says it. He goes, even hearing it is cool. But you want to see the power of it, you got to do it. I can go to the gym and look at weights all day long, but it's not until I pick up one do I get transformed. You can hear this Sunday after Sunday, but it's not until you apply it on Monday do you see any change in your actual life. Amen? Let me pray for you real quick. It's going to be a good series. Father, we love you. Lord, we need this. We want to be a people that gives you a lot of glory, that pleases you and lives for you. Lord, we're not a legalistic church. We're not a mean church. We're not going to beat people up. We're going to celebrate where everybody's at and where we get started. But Lord, we do want to live for you. We want to follow you. uh, And we want to give you glory. Lord, we do not want to be narcissistic believers. We don't want to make this whole thing about us. This thing's about you. And so God, help us through the power of your spirit to live for you. In Jesus' name, if you believe that with me, say amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.